Hi, I'm Al Heller. Welcome to a new edition of Dance Talks. We'll be speaking to Andrew Pyro Chung on this episode. Can't wait for you to hear him. You're listening to the Dance Talks podcast brought to you by Dancebug Channel. Hi there and welcome to another edition of Dance Talks. I'm your host Al Heller and today we are joined in studio by Andrew Pyro Chung. Now let me tell you a little bit about Andrew Pyro Chung or Pyro as I'm going to call him. He's originally from Toronto, Ontario, right little south of us. Pyro has an amazing reputation in the street dance community as he has won over 20 different battles throughout North America. He's been featured on TV shows and films including Work It, The Next Step, and What We Do in the Shadows. Pyro has a passion for teaching and mentoring others. He has his own dance crew called Twisted Ankles and is is a co-founding member of the Footnotes Elite Training Camp. Most recently, Pyro joined Da Costa Talent to help launch the agency's newest division. That I am very interested in. We're going to talk about that. And you're going to be representing social media content creators as well as to build your own roster of multi-talented artists. So that is a interesting departure from what I know you used to do. Yep. Before we get into that, because that's going to be a, a long talk. Okay. I think we need to learn a little bit about Pyro. All right. So just tell me briefly what it was like growing up and where your passion for dance came from well let's see okay so my parents immigrated from south korea and didn't have much money so we were living in like the like the jane and finch area which is like a kind of like a underprivileged area with lots of people that immigrated to Canada. it's a rough area yeah it's uh it's it's a lot better now with like community centers and you know it's being gentrified but before it was a little little tougher mm-hmm. so most of my family that came to canada went to that area first just because it was the most affordable and then from there living life through there moved to etobicoke once my parents got a little bit more money and my sister was this uh golden child to my parents. She's, I have an older sister. She's four years older. Her name's Chanel. And she's this golden child, straight A student, dancing, and, you know, a little show off to my uncle's aunts, this and that. And she was great. She was like perfect. Everybody loved her. And I was like that quiet kid that was, you know, my parents wanted to like, do what your sister's doing. And I'm like, like, you know. Really? Yeah. And they were trying <laughs> so, to push you to be more outgoing. Yeah. And I was super like, I, like my parents would always tell me like I didn't make any noises like I barely cried like I was just to myself you know growing up uh watching my sister like do all this stuff I got the opportunity to kind of see her dancing and and she took ballet she did like hip-hop stuff she ended up creating one of her own like female hip-hop crews I think which were one of the first uh school hip-hop crews coming out of uh, UFT Scarborough at that time, really? I believe. Uh, yeah, I was like wow. super young, but but yeah, so I was, uh, I had a lot of dance around me because of her. Did you want to dance? Uh, yeah, not, at that time, yeah, for okay. sure. Okay. But I, my father, which came, which was in the army uh, before coming, it was mandatory. It's mandatory for people that are born in Korea to go to the military for a couple of years which is why my father wanted to come here. And me and my sister were like the first generations to like be born here. Therefore, didn't have to go to the army. Right. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, so 
came here, but still, my father still had this perspective on life and how you like raise your children and stuff with discipline and all that stuff. So I was thrown into like martial arts. So was my sister, but she had more flexibility as to like, I can dance, I can do this stuff, I could do so this stuff. Yeah. Because you were male, you because were I was not male, exactly. supposed to dance. Yeah. And wow. even still, so like when I when I was like 12 years old, I was getting a bit older and I started showing interest in dance. I would kind of like do things here and there. And my parents were like, oh, it's just like a little little interest. And I would always hide it from them, go to the basement, like try to like hide my dancing or whatever. My sister would always like sneak down and watch me. Even at school, like if I showed some of my friends at that time, like show them like a new move or something like that, like it just like wasn't, you know, you either play sports or or whatever, or you don't dance basically. Like dancing is for girls, right? So, but I still had this thing. So that's why I didn't actually come out of my shell and start dancing until I jumped into high school. Because when I moved, uh, got older, and then I started going in, uh, getting into high school, my sister was a senior by that time. And then I, I came in uh, while she was on her last year. And at that time, she was this Miss Popular, again, straight A student, really good, talented dancer, choreographing the school plays on like the, I don't know if she was like, I forget what she was on. I don't know if she was like the president of like the, the student council, but she was like on there, oh. all that stuff, right? So then, and then I show up and I'm just like, like this kid that like didn't talk to anybody, didn't have much friends, had weird hair, had blonde, long band, bangs. Yeah, just because. That's a look. Yeah, it's a, it was a look. And I was, um, my interest was like uh, aggressive inline skates, like roller skating and doing like the half pipes and stuff like that. Okay. And I was listening to rock music just because honestly, I didn't really like, I do like rock music, but I was just listening to it because other people in my school, the cool kids were listening to it. And I'm just like, I wasn't, I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll listen to that, you know? So I was, I honestly was just kind of like a, like a lost cause at that time. And <clears throat> then I saw my first day of school, I walked in and that was the first time I saw a cypher which is like a, a circle of people and one person would go in and start dancing one okay. at a time and sharing like a vibe or an idea of what's going on. And I thought when I saw that circle of people gathered up, I thought it was a fight. I thought there was a fight going on. <laughs> so, cause that's what I'm familiar with. If I see a group of people, like whatever, like grouped up like that. So I was like, Oh no, like what's going on? I ran over there to see what's going on. And then you hear the music playing and I saw all these people from different grades, different races, um, girls and guys on the floor spinning, moving their feet, gliding around, doing arm waves, like, and everyone's cheering each other on and all this stuff. And I didn't even really like start dancing and come out of my shell yet. But that was the moment. I didn't really know what that was, but that was the moment I was like, I need to be a part of this. This wow. is what I need to be a part of. Like, and that inspired me like crazy. And of course, me not having proper social skills because I was getting picked on when I was young with weird hair, um, uh, wasn't doing good in school, like all this stuff. Like, it was just uh, a whole weird thing. 
I went, I couldn't ask them. I didn't feel, they were older, right? They're seniors and stuff. So I didn't feel comfortable asking them, hey, can you teach me that? And I also, I didn't want to tell my parents, I mean, or my sister and my parents that I'm interested in dancing and, and I want to do this because I felt like I was going to get in trouble. So I, every day after school, I went to the cafeteria and started training. And that, this is how I got into dance. This is on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the cafeteria, saw what I saw. There was one little clip I saw on a music video. It was a Limp Biscuit music video. It was Mr. Wiggles. Literally three seconds, he's like, and then, the, and then it cuts to something else. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, I got to see that again. And that was like my inspiration, like seeing like that three seconds and these, these guys in high school, like in a cypher. Um, just dancing. That that's an amazing uh, story. I, I I love this idea that you you're in a shell and this yeah. brought you out of the shell. Yeah. How long before you joined the cipher? There was this moment, like I don't know if they still do this now. I'm pretty sure they don't. But when when I went into high school, there was this like like this grade nine initiation thing where the seniors would like kind of pick on. The, the new kids? I think they still do that. They still do that? Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I don't so think it'll ever stop. <laughs> hopefully no one uh, is getting hurt or nothing bad is happening. But I was that was happening to me at one point. And these seniors uh, wanted my locker. I was assigned a locker. So I went there. My stuff was in there. And they they're, they're like, that's my locker. And I was like confused. I was like, actually, it's my locker. Uh, and I showed them the piece of paper. And they're like, no, that's my locker. They started pulling all my stuff out. I'm like, okay, like, whatever. Like, I'll just carry my stuff. But then he took out my book and saw my name, my last name, which is the same as my sister's last name, of course. And they're like, hold on. And his friend stopped him. And he's like, he showed him. And he's like, is that uh?" So they asked me, they're like, who uh, is your sister Chanel? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh, sorry. And I put everything back in. So oh, that's my. when I realized that my sister was like this, like, person like super popular person and so i asked her if i can if she can introduce me to the other dancers and of course they knew her so it was out of a favor they were like yeah you could come practice with us after school if you want and whatever and i started learning uh from them here and there whenever i could if they were practicing i would just follow them around and stuff that's amazing yeah that's amazing that that your sister her notoriety yeah got you First of all, from losing your locker, yeah. and second of all, got you into this this group, which became the, I mean, it, it's your it passion. became it, it actually became the crew, the uh, Twisted Ankles Dance Crew. So really? yeah, so they were already formed as the first generation of Twisted Ankles, and they were they would they were just a group of friends. So <clears throat> later on in the years, as I got better, because I got obsessed with dancing, like. I wouldn't get home till like 8, 9 p.m. from school. My parents are like, where, where are you this whole time? And I'd literally be uh, in the cafeteria. Just and you're practicing. still hiding this from the parents? Uh, I start, oh yeah, yeah. Like they knew like some, like it, like it would happen because I would go to the basement, I'd start practicing. And they're like, go oh, do your homework. And I'm, I was like, uh, yeah, okay. And then I just like start practicing without any music, you know? And I would just be like obsessed with it super obsessed the teachers all knew they would all they would just see me i went to school just excited for after school so i could like go practice and and it gave me this whole identity you know gave me it gave me friends it gave me this uh of like this whole reason for being excited to wake up in the morning where did pyro come from <laughs> oh boy 
Uh, long story short, long story short. Um, the long story short, Amy loves when I tell the Amy Wright. Uh, Our uh, good friend, yeah, Amy Wright. Good, right, uh, good friend, next Amy step, Wright. Next step, as yep, well as so many step. other things. Uh, Amy loves when I tell the long story, but I'm going to say the short story. The short story is when I was 12, before I started dancing, anything like that, um, I learned about a lighter and hairspray like how, how it like shoots out fire uh but i was i was intrigued by like graffiti so i would literally go on the on my desk and write out my name my name wasn't pyro at that time so i write out andrew and i'd light it on fire and it's in cursive writing so it would just like create this whole like fire picture and then it would die down and i was like whoa it didn't it didn't burn my desk and i and i thought to myself i'm like if i turn off all the lights the fire is gonna look really cool so I turned off all the lights and drew this picture, but I started like spraying like the curtains beside the desk, all this stuff by accident. Don't do this at home, kids. And uh, no, don't. <laughs> and then I turned once once I lit it up, like obviously everything started going on fire. Um, I tried to put it out; it wasn't really happening. My mom came upstairs; uh, she put it out for me. Uh, my sister called me a pyromaniac from there. And then as I was coming into high school, she was telling all my friends that I'm a pyro. And then I started dancing and then that's how I was introduced. So then they're like, Hey, Pyro, your name is going to be Pyro. And then that's how it stuck. Darn lucky you're a dancer. Because <laughs> Pyro doesn't fit a lot of other jobs. No, 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 no. Actually, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's good. Yeah. So I lucked out with that one, I guess. Yeah, it fits right in yeah. there. I mean, it's a perfect name. But that was, it was my name. It's not a dance name. Everyone's like, oh, it's because you set the stage on fire or because when you're battling, like you're super like intense. I'm like, no. <laughs> your, your answer is <laughs> maybe it's possible, but hopefully yeah. not. Just not and smile. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is, this is a, that's a, that's a great origin story. I love it. So now we know why pyro is pyro. Here I am. This idea that, that you can learn to dance because you want to learn to dance, to teach yourself, have you had any formal training? Did you, did you at any point say, I'm going to kind of get some no. background? No. no? Uh, so it kind of happened backwards for, for street dancing anyways because street dancing itself was, was created basically like out of a mistake someone just kind of playing around with something and he was just like oh this is how i dance and and doing something and then people on soul train saw that person and was like oh i like how that person danced really? i like his style and then it became something and the first street dance style which is locking uh that's how it was created and then people just started following this guy named don campbell and and that's how locking was created and then from there became boogaloo and popping and then from there in the East Coast, that was all happening in California. And then in the East Coast, then people saw some clips on, on the news and TV of this whole dance craze going on. And then a new type of music started being created uh, in the Bronx and then hip hop became a thing, right? So all of this stuff, like if you think about it, when you're, when you're a street dancer, I think before you were, if you were a street dancer before like you're, 2007 something like that before youtube really like blew up and stuff like that in in a lot of ways you're probably self-taught like as a street dancer because freestyling was the first thing even like the first shows that i've done with choreography and stuff in it like i didn't realize till actually like uh farther into my career 
that it was weird that the first like performances that I did uh, on different stages, even school, like my first ones in like school performances in high school, like stuff like that. I didn't realize it was weird that I didn't learn anyone else's choreography till way later. I was teaching people my own choreography. It wasn't that great, but that's how I started. And that was my first performances. And I, and even to the point where I opened up with uh, Twisted Ankles, we ended up opening up the Me to Weed day. Um, big, like, I think it was like 30,000 people, like all this stuff. And yet I've still never taken a dance class or learned from anybody. And I was, it was my own choreography. And we're just there opening the show, doing flips and stuff and hip hop choreography that I made up myself. And and when I told people that later, people were like, what? Like you never taught, took a class before or anything like that? Like, and I thought it was normal until like people started telling me like, that's not normal. But but you knew your, your sister was taking classes. You knew she was learning, but she wasn't learning what you were doing. No, she was, she, she took ballet classes. Right. She took, she did hip hop choreography stuff. Right. For me, it was, uh, everything was based off of uh, in the moment, what you would call like improv, but it's just freestyle, right? On the spot, listen to the music and just go from there. There were like people that influenced me and, and took me under their wing uh, eventually, like like the first generation of Twisted Ankles and this other guy named Dizzy, which was a amazing break dancer or b-boy um, uh, when I was coming up and he was like top of the line at the time. Even now he's great, but... Uh, they would show me foundational steps, right? So today I feel like you you would learn foundational steps and take that as what it is. But before there was a lot more um, focus on learning a foundational step and learning how to build from there, like figuring out how to do it yourself, change the timing of it, flip it, do it on your head, do it sideways on the floor, do it standing up, like do it when you do it while you do a backflip, you know? And it's like that challenge of, of trying to figure out um, what what to do with that foundation of be original. So instead of this institutional process, it was more of a mentoring kind of loose association where the community kind of shared exactly, and then grew. Toronto, uh, it's a major city, obviously, but yeah. it's not LA, it's not New York. How big is the community in Toronto? Is it a large community? Yeah, for dancing yeah. is just in dancing in general, it's huge. It's huge. The thing is, dancers in general are just are when when there's an event, like everyone comes out. If there's a, a competition, people will go there and everyone's always going to end up bumping into each other. So there's a ton of talented, amazing dancers within the city of Toronto and the surrounding greater Toronto area. But it feels small because you're always going to run. You know, you're going to run into somebody at some point in time. But why don't we have the reputation that some of these larger, or not larger, but kind of U.S. markets? I mean, we know uh, New York style. We, we understand the, the West Coast. Why hasn't Toronto, do you think? What do I think? Yeah, what's your thought? I will say this. I think what I do know uh, from traveling around, going to L.A., all this stuff, I do know we the Canadian dancers in general have a reputation, and a reputation is a lot of choreographers and stuff say that um, Canadian dancers, they like to work with Canadian dancers because they're so hungry. And if you made it out to LA and got a visa, something like that, you should be. Because even just getting that visa itself 
like you went through a lot and you paid a lot of money so you're not going there for no reason you're not you're not going there for the sun you know you're going there to make it so when you get into the room maybe you're not going to be the best dancer because you didn't have all the training whatever but you're going to be the most humble you're going to be the hardest working person in the room and you'll stand out just because of that and i think that says a lot within the the dance community the the industry itself so the industry respects the canadians is it just that we are just canada we're too small we we just don't get on the radar that's the thing like when especially when it comes down to like the social media stuff like that like people don't push it as much they, why doesn't I drake like... do something <laughs> come on drake yeah, Where are you? I mean, get out of get, your palace. Exactly. Get out of that big house on, uh, you know, Bridal Path and, and, and let people know about what's going on in the city. Ha- have you ever heard of uh, the term, um, the screw face capital? No. No? No. So Toronto has that repu- reputation. Uh, and Does it sound come, good? No, it's not good. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and I know that it's like that for a fact. It's very competitive uh, towards one another. Um, and, it, and it was like that even before I started dancing, like learning history of Toronto history of freestylers and battling. It's uh, because it's very Toronto coming up with hip hop and New York being a neighboring uh, city. Um, they have a lot of history that comes together because there was a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of segregation within, I guess you would kind of like say like gang mentality. So if you were down and cool with like one crew, you kind of like stick with that crew and learn from each other and, and represent what you believe in. And then it was like that everywhere else, like around the city. So literally when I was coming up, if I saw someone dance, I would be like, oh, they're from Scarborough. Just because I knew like where they were, they, the way they were moving. Oh, they're from this crew. Oh, they're from this crew. But then when I started uh, getting flown out and winning these competitions and stuff, and, and I got flown around to different cities, I went to Vancouver and so many talented people out there, by the way. But there's a there's a, this tight, tighter knit community. I, like I, I everyone started dancing. Together. There was a competition going on and I didn't talk to anybody just because that's how I was, what I was used to. I'm like, I'm here to represent myself. I didn't talk to anybody. And I was just practicing in the corner and everyone just started, you know, like dancing, mingling and all this stuff. And I was just like, what is going on? I was like, this is a battle. Like you guys should be, you know, you're going to be dancing against each other, you know, but there was such like a tight knit community. Um, There's a different vibe out West. Huge. Everyone's a lot more like relaxed, um, all that stuff. So, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe Toronto, just because of the uh, competitiveness of the city and, you know, everybody's moving everybody's going everybody's got to be you know you got to be somewhere got to do something got to make it yeah and we're not maybe that's keeping us back that that definitely has a lot to do with it i believe like because toronto had a huge like the industry for like hiring dancers and stuff was like um was big in toronto first it's huge in vancouver now as well but first it was in toronto so but the thing is is that there was it was really rarely that you would get hired like uh as a crew like Twisted Ankles would has done like um, TV shows and stuff like that uh, as a crew for a couple of times. Like we get hired as for live shows, but when it comes to like television and the industry, there's so many times we go to an audition and we're all just up against each other because you get hired as an individual, right? So there's a lot of that 
pulls a lot of people away from each other because you're all competing against each other. So the crews have to fight each other for these spots that everybody wants. Exactly. I want to know a little bit about, you mentioned they're flying you around, you're going to battles. Where we kind of left you, you were in high school and you were, you know, learning yourself and then you were becoming a a part of this crew. Mm -hmm. What is it that took you from that to professional? I understand you were living this, this was going to be your life, but how did you kind of turn it into a profession? How did you so, say, I can make money on this, I can live with this? <laughs> so it was actually, um, so yeah, so I was coming up and I'm this, I want to be the best battler in the world. That was my goal. That's my goal. And at this point, I, I had a bucket list. I wanted to win a major battle um, in certain like parts of North America like major cities and stuff, like in Toronto, um, in Vancouver, in California. How hard is it to get into those battles? Uh, I mean, you know, like at that time, it would just be investment for myself. I worked like like overnight, like factory work, because I I just wanted to be like a, I knew I wanted to be a dancer, right? I I remember skipping school. Sorry, guys. Sorry, mom. Uh, A lot, just like when I heard about different competitions and stuff, and I would like go out to those things trying to build a reputation and, and be this best freestyle dancer in the world. So initially, you know? how, how did you do? Uh, oh, at first, uh, I was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't win any, I didn't qualify, not win. I didn't qualify for anything for the first like six years. Uh, I just, I would literally go and, and, and dance one time, not qualify and just watch the rest of the event and just learn, analyze why I wasn't, didn't get picked. How come I didn't move forward? Why Why did I get eliminated so quickly? What do you uh, attribute the uh, ability to stick through that? Because that amount of rejection would turn a lot of people off. Well, that's the thing. So me being this weird person that, uh, you know, just started making friends in high school and, and all this stuff, like, um, and, you know, like, uh, my parents were very caring, but not supportive of, like, the dance culture, of course. And, like, at first, I... At first, I was like upset. I'm like, how come they're not supporting me to be a dancer? Because uh, it's just something I was like uh, uh, turned like passionate with, about, right? But um, now I realize, like you know, like they come from a different place, and they came here for my well-being. But what they know about like what's good in Korea is you know, doctor, a lawyer, and that's great here too. But there's like so many more opportunities here, you know, to to be what you want to be. Um, so I think like they came here for the, for, you know, for me to have a better life, but they just didn't really realize like what the possibilities were, you know? And I didn't either. Like I, I'm like 15, 16 years old, being obsessed with dance, trying to be the best battler, turning eight, 19, 18, 19, all this stuff. And then uh, graduating high school and I'm, I had zero idea what I'm going to do with dance. Like there, there is, you know, uh, there wasn't like many options. Social media wasn't a big thing. There weren't millionaire TikTok dancers moving around, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, what am I going to do as well? But my goal was just to, you know, put 100% into this and see what happens. So right. short term goal was I'm going to win a couple of these battles. Yeah. And you, you commit six years. To well, putting this six years in. just to qualify, just, just to, to qualify. be good, just to be good enough. Yeah. And you're doing part-time jobs. You're you're working yeah. in a factory, and it, you never lost a passion. No, no. 
I I saw it as I didn't see any any plan B. It was just uh, you know, uh, my parents were already like not super supportive because I wasn't doing well in school, and I did try. It's just uh, that's not how I learned. That's what I realized. That's not how I learned. But as as time went on, um, I didn't see the plan B. You know, I'm like, if I don't make this work, like somehow as a dancer, like that's it for me. Like, what am I going to do? I have no idea. I didn't like, I didn't have any other choice. That's what it seemed like for me. So I'm going for this. So any opportunity that came around, I went for it. So as things went on, America came out with So You Think You Dance and it did great. So then Canada was like, let's do So You Think You Dance Canada. So Canada comes out with it, do an open call. I'm like, I'm going for this. And me being like, just, I don't know, an idiot, uh, thinking like, yeah, I can do choreo because I've been doing my own choreo all these years. And I just, I'm like, yeah, I'm good at choreo, you know? You've never taken direction. Never, 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 barely, barely. Like little, little routines, high school routines for my sister, maybe here and there. Other than that, no. So it was all just like, it's very different learning someone else's choreo and just performing your own. So I freestyle my whole audition, golden ticket right away. Everything's good. I'm like, awesome. And even like, you know, behind the scenes of like, of So You Think You Dance, like they're like, hey, can you do that again? So we could get a different angle. Lots of people go in and do chore- choreograph, like dance, whatever. I'm like, I do it again. And they're like, that wasn't the same at all. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. What do you want from me? So uh, they cut it's it close. up. You know, you know. <laughs> you know, TV magic, they cut it up. Everything yeah. was good. So I get the golden ticket and the rest of it is choreo now, right? You're at the top 100. Uh, Luther Brown comes out, everyone's super excited. They're like, yeah. And I was excited too, but, uh, I bombed that choreo. I could not, I couldn't believe how fast people could retain choreography. I couldn't believe it. And I asked them, like I, the first people that I saw there, like, uh, like Melissa Mitro, Tatiana Parker, like they're all side by side, me, Shane Simpson, like all these people, like they're all just doing amazing ability to just pick up this choreo and perform it so confidently after like half an hour (laughs) this long routine and then i i I remember i go up i do it i perform it as best as i can um and then i forget his name but he's he was like the the ballroom guy but he um he looks at me and goes you're a hip-hop dancer (laughs) (laughs) you you should be able to do this and i was like what like uh in my mind I wanted to be like, I'm a freestyle then, you know, I wanted to talk back, but I was, I just like fit my tongue and I was just like, you know what? But he had a point, you know, like I should be able to, if I want to be professional and be doing something and this is my plan A, my only plan that I have, like I should be able to do this. So that must've been a very, it was very a wake difficult up call. process. It yeah. was a wake up call. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe, I didn't believe it. Smack right across <laughs> yeah. the face there. Yeah. He, wow. he didn't hold back on that. So. That's what actually threw me into the industry. I was, I took that. And a lot of people would just be like, oh, I can't do this. And then they'll be like, okay, I'm going to do something. This isn't for me. I'm like, nope. I took like three, four drop-in classes. Like if I taught a class, whatever class was before it and after it, I would take. And luckily, like with when you're a staff in a studio or something like that, um, you get to take like classes for free, right? Right. So luckily, since I was just working a factory job or whatever at the time and teaching drop in classes, like I couldn't 
afford all these things. So I would take whatever classes before mine, whatever classes after mine, whatever choreo class I could, I could take. I was doing that the whole time. And as I started auditioning more for different things, uh, people started realizing that I can now pick up choreography quickly, perform it, and I can freestyle and do tricks. And I didn't realize, I didn't do this on purpose. I didn't strategize this whole thing. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be this person that could do all this stuff. But um, I didn't realize that this was a rare thing to be able to do. You're either really good at freestyling or you're really good at picking up choreography and performing it, you know? So there was those, those two worlds and I put that together. And when I realized that it was a special thing was when Luther Brown ended up reaching out to me and he's like, hey, there's uh, uh, the Pan Am Games uh, that's how it, happening in Guadalajara, Mexico, and I could use you for that show, live performance, and they would take you there to close, do the closing ceremony, because after Mexico, it was coming to Canada. So I'm like, I'm like, yeah, thanks for reaching out to me. And I'm here. I'm thinking, like, why do you reach out to me? Like, I'm just like, okay. When I showed up there, this is what I realized was that everyone was from Soyuzhin Soy Dance for the past like four seasons. Everyone was in the top 20 of So You Think You Dance. And I was like, what am I doing here? Like, you I made an impression. Yeah. So he, and then he told me, he was like, well, um, yeah, everyone can pick up choreo and everyone's great. They're like, but you could pick up choreo too and you could do tricks. So I was the, that guy that, you know, do the choreo with everybody and I would run into the middle and start doing windmills, windmills and come out back into choreography, go over here, do a trick over here, start waving over here in this corner and, the, you know, I was, he was just totally utilized like all my, my strengths that I had. So that's what I realized that I was like, oh, I think I could play to this. And once I realized that and started auditioning in that way, like do the choreo, kill the freestyle, do the choreo, kill the freestyle. That's when my career started uh, in the industry for like movies and TV and stuff like that started blowing up a lot. You brought us a video so that we could, because you, you're doing a whole bunch of <laughs> cool things. If you're listening on the podcast, he uses hands a lot and shows me some moves. If you're watching this on the video, you saw that, but uh, uh, Pyro, you brought us a video of a performance. Can you tell me what we're going to see if you're watching? Um, yeah. So this video is a choreography that I put together um, with my students at uh, in Footnotes um, training camp. And these are like my elite students that I've been been training for a number of years. Um, and it's and I named it uh, Sharing is Caring. That's the title of it. I like little corny titles. Uh, yeah, so it's called Sharing is Caring, but I just uh, wanted to represent street dance in not a performance way, but because footnotes training camp is is a is just a training is a training camp. It's not you don't learn choreo and then the goal is to go perform. The goal is to uh, learn the techniques and train and and level up um, your knowledge of what street dancing is. And so with that being said, um, every single time we, we go to do a show, people would see the performance and go like, oh, Footnotes is a performance team, but it's not, it's a training camp. So it's act the show, the video that you're gonna see is actually a lesson in a performance way, but it's actually like a, I tried to teach a class of with knowledge of history of street dance, um, different vocabulary, uh, a little bit of like gems of knowledge from 
from a history of hip hop, like stuff like that, terminology, all that stuff, and squeeze it into the performance. And and that's what the performance is. Something a little bit different. Let's uh, let's watch that now. Don't forget, you can watch this week's episode of Dance Talks on dancebugchannel.com with added photo and video content. You will also find other Dancebug original shows like Versus the Dance Comp Battle and the Dancebug Show. And now, back to this week's conversation. You know, sometimes I, I watch hip hop and I, I'm frustrated because I don't understand it. I know that it is, it's fun to watch, <laughs> um, but I don't understand it. You know, I can watch jazz and i can understand what what someone's trying to, to, to show me i can watch tap and i can understand it. i watch hip-hop and i get it's not some something's not it's like it's not it's not me yeah i just yeah. know it's it's something really cool you mentioned footnotes which is a a this is a class it's mm -hmm. a space uh for people and i assume these are dancers who are already in the freestyle or hip hop world, but they yeah. want to develop their skills and, and get better. It turns out, I thought when, when footnotes uh, first started in 2014, I thought it was going to be catered to people that are already in the freestyle world. It actually, uh, well, it's not that it's target marketed, but the, the, the market goes more so to people that started with choreography and want to learn how to, freestyle and also so that's one of the audiences that come other audiences are people that are already teaching classes uh, and they want to come to footnotes and make sure they learn the proper terminology and stuff to gain more confidence while they're teaching so they can they can uh, say the proper vocabulary share the right proper knowledge and stuff like that yeah so that's what it turned into i thought it was going to be catered to freestylers to to better their freestylers but uh and there is uh some of that but it most of the people are people that are very experienced dancers some people own their own companies and stuff like that and their own teams and direct their own teams but uh that's actually what it started attracting more is this in toronto this is in Toronto, yeah. In Toronto. So if you're watching this and you're not in Toronto, now here's a reason to come to Toronto. Check it Be out. Pyro. And it is interesting. My initial thought was it would be those who want to freestyle. But freestyle, even more so than hip-hop, is kind of this sort of orphan genre that isn't taught, I don't think, in standard studios. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. um, is... What is going to be in the Olympics now? Is uh, that what what we're looking at? Well, an aspect of street dancing, which is called break dancing, is going to be in the Olympics now. And it, it is in the Olympics. It, it, they tried it out in the Youth Olympics. Yeah, and it's uh, going to be an actual Olympic. It's, yeah. it, it's a... Uh, is it an actual sport or is it going to be the first like kind of a test? Well, that's the thing. So, yeah, yeah. now it's an actual It's an actual competitive sport. sport. Break dancing. Yeah, break dancing. So yeah. how does that differ from freestyle or from hip hop? I mean, as a as a layman, how would you describe the difference? Breakdancing specifically uh, is the first dance uh, under the umbrella term of hip hop. So it would be like the the dance of what represents hip hop dancing at uh, at its core. And breakdancing first started uh, with like footwork movement, standing up. And the reason why uh, it's called breakdancing now or 
or b-boying originally, uh, the B would, would stand for the break. And the break would mean not because you're breaking your body. That's kind of what the media kind of turned it into. But it's uh, because uh, this dance would happen on the break of a beat in the song. So, if, for example, James Brown would have a funk song playing. And then he would be like, tell his band to break it down. And then like, boom, tap, 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 boom, boom. And then that's the highest energy of the song. Right. And that just made people want to start like moving their feet and doing all that stuff. And and they would start uh, going, getting down and just enjoying like that. So it started standing up like that and different boroughs within New York as it got spread around would make their own footwork patterns to represent where they're from. So there is a Bronx rock. There's a Brooklyn rock. There's a Queens rock. And it was all like influenced within their neighborhoods because of the whole gang mentality situation, right? But the positive thing about the whole gang situation is they created these this dance to compete against each other, which then uh, took away from the high percentage of violence within gangs. So they would, they would accept a victory or a defeat in a dance battle, yeah. and that meant they didn't have to go in and shoot and, and each other exactly exactly because uh they uh there was a lot of stories told by because because the thing with hip-hop is it's not that old in comparison to other dances right so there are original creators of these dances that are still alive and they're starting to pass away now but they are still alive and uh you can hear these these stories of like how hip-hop was created and how it was in the club and what would happen in in these scenarios and you know there was a whole compromise basically where there's one hip hop party that would happen and all the gangs and all the crews would show up at the same place because they're young, they're kids, they all want to have fun, right? But when different gangs would come together, obviously a fight would break out. But there was that compromise. They're like, we want to have fun. We're kids. We want to dance. We want to do this. Uh, whether it's like I want to dance with girls and guys and whatever, or I just want to get down and listen to the music. So there was that compromise there that happened uh let's let's not fight stay in the party and instead battle that's a, that's really good to know I, yeah. I think i wish that was more well known for sure definitely it and i help. think that that's one of the things that i like to spread about that because uh since uh hip-hop is still gang related in that way because it was brought up in a in a gang mentality um people forget about what the dance act what the culture of hip-hop actually did and the positive positivity that it brought to the community um even though it was it came from a negative place how do you i don't know if you would be, can answer this but it just came to me how how do you reconcile your challenges as a male in society telling you dancing's for girls and the toughest of the toughest gang members all male dancers how do we reconcile that Honestly, that's a, that's a really good question. That is a really good question. But there's it, a story is, there. There's it, a movie there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, you know, society, different places, different times, right? Um, but not, now that we're here today, like, like, look how it is, right? Like, being a male dancer is, is norm. And that has a lot to do with, you know, television, media, social media, as it comes around, right? My sometimes I think like, what if social media was a thing back then? 
and would things still be the same, you know? Like, it would have changed a lot because... Would have changed your life. Oh, would it, yeah, definitely. It would have made things maybe maybe smoother but who knows you it could be anything they're like it's a whole conspiracy now maybe like i would have seen it so often on the television that like I, it wouldn't interest me anymore maybe the passion would have been gone maybe so <clears throat> that leads us to your new venture which is you are now an agent at yeah. lacosta talent and you are going to be developing a social media new artist mm -hmm. division mm -hmm. given what you just said <laughs> um, and, and when I heard that, my first You're thought was, this. thank you, <laughs> thank you. Um, when I first heard that, that that's what you were doing, my first thought was, how do you reconcile the old world agent sort of model with the new world TikTok, social media, kind of build your brand from the ground up and take absolute control? Mm -hmm. How does that balance itself off and what are your plans to get there well there's there's a lot of layers to that still right because there's still different wants and needs dependent on different artists and and what their goals are right so all because there, i have a couple clients that have you know broke millions of followers and and uh on TikTok and and they're doing great and people on the other side of the spectrum, they're, you know, want to be just dancers or actors on film and television, and they, they're still trying to uh, find that the right opportunity to come around. You know, they, they, those two people, the social media stars and people that are trying to become film and television stars or dancers, they look at each other and they're like, I want that. <laughs> you know, they like look at that same thing, like, um, because it's, it's a different type of lifestyle and mentality just in general, right? And I, this is what I'm learning while being an agent, like seeing that, because I would see, I'm like, oh yeah, like these social media stars are well off. They're not starving artists anymore. They, you know, buy houses. One, some, one of my friends is a millionaire, well, lives in LA, really? basketball court, swimming pool, oh. all that stuff. Uh, other people are like, I want to be a social media star. I'm going to start building my social media. Um, and there's just layers to it, but then at the same time, the people that are social media stars, they are still artists and they still want to up the game. It's not just about the money, you know? So they want to jump into film and television stuff too. But in order to get that, you still need to train your acting. You need to train your dancing. You still need to have a high quality of your craft in order to be in a feature film or a sitcom television show that's going to continue on into comedy or something, you know? So I actually like kind of, there's, there's people that have, uh, that built a social media follow, following automatically just because they were in a movie, right? They didn't intentionally build their social media. Their social media just blew up because they were in a movie. So they're like, uh, someone would message them on social media and be like, Hey, um, can you do this free campaign? We'll we'll set we'll give you free shoes, and and they're they're like okay, but that's the thing like that's not how social media works because if someone that came up in social media heard that they're like you did a you put a post uh, with for free, free shoes, shoes yeah. you know meanwhile they're getting paid ten thousand twenty thousand dollars for that one post depending on how many followers they have because it's marketing 
it's marketing, right? So helping people in this way so they they don't they know their worth helps in that way. But then also the social media stars helping them, uh, guiding them into how they transition into being this um, traditional media. Yeah, a f- exactly right. a film like a celebrity, right? A walk the red carpet type of thing, right? It's like something like that. Um, helping them, guiding them, taking these classes, learning how to do this and all this stuff and managing them so then they can build their way into like an actual film set rather than, you know, being in their room and and dancing like this TikTok choreo routine while still making a lot of money though. What about sort of the, the traditional vision of an agent, which is, you know, I have talent, I have worked hard on my skill set, I've done a lot of things that don't really qualify yet as, you know, enough, but I but I believe I have the skills and I go, I, you know, find an agent and that agent opens doors for me. Mm-hmm. Are you looking to do that in the social media world or is it that you're looking to find people in the social media world and guide them into more traditional Models. So I have uh, a roster of some social media clients and I have a roster of just talent. And some of them are in both because they're talented social media people. Um, and then there's some are just dancers. Oh, well, not just dancers, but are amazing dancers. And some are uh, uh, actors only. Yeah. So um I'm still pushing towards like building what it is that they want, right? It, there's, there's a, there was a whole process in order for you to even get representation in the first place, right? Because there's lots of people that want rep- representation, but it just depends if, if uh, you know, it aligns with uh, what both parties want, right? Um, but through the conversations and having stuff with uh, a relationship with my clients, uh, you get to kind of figure out what it is their goals are. And for me, I don't see it as like, I'm you're j- I just want you to be into this awesome movie and that's it. Like there's so many layers to it because people want different things. Right. And I think listening and hearing them out and seeing what their goals are and trying to push them towards that, guiding them towards that and, and uh, getting them in the room, um, which is what you're, I'm capable of doing now that I'm in this position, um, is basically what, what the, for me, is what an agent is. And it's awesome because th- through footnotes um, and running footnotes for so long, um, I get to kind of see them from when they're at the very beginning of like starting out, like finding with their passion, training it, building it. And then I could also now follow through if if they're still in passionate about it and still training i can now like follow through and find the opportunity for them as well instead of just going like all right you have all the skill sets go out there and find yourself an agent i wish you luck you know so if there's someone that's like really hard working and and doing really well um you complete that circle yeah i could i could finally like Perfect. push that forward I have one last question because we've, this has been fascinating. Yeah. And I really hope we can do it again. Uh, but I have one last question. That is, do you find that the people that have become successful on social media are realistic about what it is they hope to attain and about their talent level? It's really dependent, right? You can, social media stars, a lot of the times, 
um, if you come depending on how what you built your following on, your social media is built on an audience that wants to see what you do, right? If you're a funny person, they want to see you do a funny stuff all the time. That's why they follow you. If you're a dancing person, they want to see you dancing. So it's almost like you get typecasted. So then if you are passionate about acting for whatever reason, um, and but you're you have 50 million followers because you're a dancing person, it's it's doesn't it's not going to make it easy for you to to book a feature film movie and and uh, and be like this um, person with like a, a drug problem and, and acting like this way, you know, like uh, there's leverage there. Uh, because you have a following, but most of the time it's you're gonna that leverage is gonna work for you if you're basically playing yourself as what you built your audience on, and and a lot of my social media friends and stuff like that, um, be, they're not even my clients. They're just friends that have millions of followers and and did the work the social media game for many many years. Um, that's what I what I'm seeing like a, a lot of, unless there's this one person, not my client. I'm not gonna even name a name or anything like that, but. She, she gained a following off her self-tapes. So her identity as social media is an actress. So so all of a sudden, like, you know, she gets whatever auditions and, you know, they're all they're open to it. So that's I mean, that's reasonable. I, I just yeah. find that this is such an odd space where we are right now. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who are incredibly successful having done very, very little and just repeating it. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, that, that yeah. It, I mean, like the the, it, the hard work. Way. It's easy in in some aspects, but it's hard work because of the consistency of it. Yeah. It's uh, you know, at first, anyways. At first, you know, you you film your thing, you film a bunch of them, and then you sit down, you edit it, and then you just you, you know you do everything by yourself. And like, there's like there's like a there's almost like a TikTok rule that I hear about. I think I forget what the exact number is, but I think it's like the rule of like seven hundred or something like that. If you post like 700 videos, like on, if you're that consistent in a year, like your following will go up. But that's how consistent you to have a to day. be, right? And it depends. Like if you're a dancing person, that you're dancing, you gotta dance a whole a whole bunch, you know. And you have to save a bunch. You have to film a bunch earlier because if you're sick or you get injured, you can't do that, and you know. But if you're this person, that's like, hey, what's going on? And for some reason, you're you're very charismatic and people like to just follow you, then that's probably the easiest route to go. But that wouldn't be me because uh, I just, I, I'll hold, I'll, taking a selfie, I feel awkward. Really? <laughs> oh, my, I look at myself, I'm like, oh my God, no one wants to see that. <laughs> and then you move your arms a bit and yeah. your legs and all of a sudden everyone wants to see it. Sometimes. 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 <laughs> well, Pyro, thank you so yes. much. It was a pleasure to meet you yes. and to have you here. Uh, I, I really hope we can we can have you back. Uh, we were speaking to Andrew Pyro Chung, and uh, a hip hop artist and a dance crew member and part of uh, Footnotes, the academy, and now an agent at the Costa. Uh, if you're looking for an agent, but don't call him; he'll call you. <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to watch the edited video version where you can see our faces, go to dancebuckchannel.com and look for Dance Talks, the episode with Andrew Pyro Chung.
See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Dance Talks podcast. New episodes are available every Thursday at noon.